This is Dr. Robin Axelrod. For the past 15 years, I've been helping children and adults meet their full potential. On our podcast, we're going to share some tips and tricks with you and some of my knowledge on how you can reach your potential and your family's goals. Each week, we'll be highlighting different specialists that can help you understand human development and how to assist your family in living their best lives. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. Hello, and welcome to Ask the Therapist. Today I'm joined with Dr. Yupin, who is an occupational therapist and also a low vision specialist. She's a consultant for the Lighthouse Guild, and she's also a professor of occupational therapy in the Hofstra University program. Good evening, Yupin. How are you? Hi, how are you, Robin? Good. Okay, so Yupin, you're an occupational therapist, but you're also a vision specialist. Can you tell us a little bit about how you you know, went to that area of practice, how you chose that? Was that something that you chose right after you graduated, or is that something that you went for over time? Um, no. It took me a um, few years before I decided to, to go into low vision specialty. Um, I was working at Mount Sinai um, uh, at the spinal cord unit, and I actually... Um, befriended with a very good neighbor who we live right next to each other and she um, she had a low vision she had a stroke and we were very very uh, close friends we celebrate all the holiday together she even taught me how to make potato lacquers mm-hmm. um, she actually died the day mm-hmm. when I performed in the church wow. because she fell um, on the stairs um, for when she was walking down, and when she hit, she lost her balance. She hit the the wooden door, and she ended up with a hematoma, with the blood like bleeding in her brain, because she could not see very well of the glare on the stairs. So plus she was on the blood thinner because due to her previous strokes. So she was rushed to the hospital, and then she died that evening. Oh wow. Um, and because of that, I want to really remember all the wonderful things that, and you know, we we celebrate together. And I want to, you know, use this opportunity to to be able to help uh, more people maybe were in thin, a similar condition. So that's why I end up uh, studying more, um, and then eventually become like one of the specialists in low vision. Uh-huh. Very interesting. Okay, so what what does low vision entail? Like, what does the term low vision mean? Like, what does that mean? Can you explain that? Okay. Yeah, low vision is a condition. Um, it's caused by like eye diseases such as macular degeneration, glaucoma, or diabetic retinopathy. And usually, after uh, the patients have seen the doctor being treated, they were still having difficulty to function in their daily activity. So usually like their visual uh, acuity is probably gonna be like 20 over 70 or much worse. Cause you mm-hmm. know like 2020 is usually we consider people who have normal vision. So after they have like um, surgery to the eyes or they have eyeglasses, but they still not be able to correct up to like 20 over 70. Um, or if they start to losing like the peripheral vision um, then, like such as like they end up with a the tunnel vision. Even they can have 
uh, visual acuity for 2020, but they are not able to see the oncoming car, or they're not able to see the stairs. Um, so that will be a diagnosis as considered as a low vision because it is recognized by uh, by insurance by Medicare that it is a medical condition. Mm -hmm. So usually people are, are able to receive like therapy or rehab um, to make sure they can function better. And is it usually accompanied by like a different diagnosis or is it usually sometimes on its own? What's you know what's um, common? It can. It depends. Uh, people can actually just end up with one type of diagnosis, like macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. However, as people age, uh, as we grow older, um, somehow, such as like people who end up with diabetes, they, if their sugar fluctuates, they can end up with uh, the conditions that affecting the eye. So we call that diabetic retinopathy. Or sometimes people can have a single diagnosis, like just like a glaucoma, and that means that it's the eye pressure in the eyes and the pushing like the, the optic nerve. Mm -hmm. So that actually will affect the way how um, they're looking around their environment. They can lose the visual field. Mm -hmm. So it can be um, on its own, but it can be also combined with everything together. And usually when it's compounded with a different diagnosis, it tends to uh, cause more stress for the patients when they want to function independently. Uh -huh. Very interesting. And what about um, for children? I mean, are children having that same condition, that low vision condition? Um, children have their own uh, um, issues as well, and we tend to um, use like vision impairment. It's just mm -hmm. because low vision a lot of times that when um, when you go to the doctor, the doctor have you ask you know, have you look at the eye chart and ask you, can you see this, can you see that? So that's how they can more or less like uh, understand like what's your uh, visual acuity. But for babies, for children sometimes that unless they're able to verbalize or they can express what they see, um, it's a little bit different. So usually for children, it tends to be picked up by, you know, sometimes by the parents or by the teachers. Mm -hmm. or, you know, by their behavior, you know, mm -hmm. even they're rubbing their eyes a lot, they cannot attend to um, where they're supposed to be looking at or they fall, it, then that's a different, a little bit different from when we look at um, like the diagnosis of low vision for adult versus children. Uh-huh. Okay. Interesting. Okay, and, um, you know, you do a lot of consulting. How does you know how does that vision affect their function? You spoke about you know stairs. Please say that again. You spoke about yeah, so st yeah and so about stairs. Usually, about if you for for any one of us, we have two type of vision. One is central vision. That means that you use your central vision to to read. Um, that usually tell you the sharpest uh, vision that you have. And we also have a peripheral vision. That means that um, your brain pick up um, the target, like when you're crossing, when you cross the, uh, the street, you see the oncoming car, or you see a ball toss at you, and you try to catch it. Uh -huh. So when you go upstairs and downstairs, sometimes that if you don't have um, the proper visual field, then that uh -huh. means that you can look forward and you actually scan your environment in order for you to walk upstairs, downstairs safely. But sometimes when your brain does not pick up, you don't have a certain like a visual field, then you can actually trip over 
um, you don't see the stairs. And it also, um, low vision can also affect your contrast, which means that, um, you know, all the environment that where we live, it tends to be more on the low contrast. So like, um, okay. you know, dark floor, um, the wall could be darker, and then you don't have enough support for the lighting. Mm-hmm. So that can also affect how we, uh, you know, maneuver our environment. Mm-hmm. So functionally, that can be the issues, and it's mm-hmm. not only just like you having difficulty to read. Sometimes mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, I'll just get a pair of glasses, so I will be okay," but not necessarily because it depends on how um, how much refraction, how much you know, the power that your doctors are able to give to to you. That doesn't necessarily mean the stronger power that you will be able to read better. Mm-hmm. It's just because just just picture that. If you have a letter A as big as your computer screen, mm-hmm. right, yeah. you can only read the letters instead of putting um, a, a single letter instead of putting, like, the whole sentence together. Right. So sometimes, like, a stronger uh, magnifier or glasses may not necessarily will help people to be able to read better. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a misconception. People feel like, okay, the larger it is, then right. it will be easier to, to, to read. Uh-huh. Great. And, and it also sometimes like low vision can also affect, it can also have certain effects like people will miss letters uh-huh. because that where the, 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 the impairment to um, your eyes can affect like, the, the illusion like, okay, you can, you can actually read the word cat, P-A-T, mm-hmm. but you, the brain might lose um, like the C in the beginning. Uh-huh. So we call uh-huh. that blind spot. So you can actually read like C A T as A T because you're missing like the letter before the word. Uh-huh. Wow. So it really and is. Yeah, and then also difficulty to like you know write your check, um, or sign your name. So that can also be um, you know an issue as well. Yeah. Also for children, that's probably very difficult in terms of their schoolwork. You know. Oh yes. Oh yes, because the thing is also um, if they're having a difficulty to to follow the the blackboard mm-hmm. or to uh, hold their pencil and look up the board and look down to their their paper, mm-hmm. and it's all the different skill that has to combine together in order for them to make sense. Mm-hmm. And when they lose the interest or their eyes get really tired, fatigue, and then it's really not their fault. It's just because that they are just not able to to really tell you um, what's the problem. You know, you can see them rubbing your eyes, but and you can you can the parents can hear like oh your children is not paying attention to to writing or you know does he have any learning disability or what? But not sometimes it's just because they are not able to see well, mm-hmm. and and so that's why a lot of times the children also need a specialist. Um, envision to really work with them and also get the proper uh, support from um, the rehab on like OT. Okay, so um, Dr. Xu, you work primarily with adults, correct? Um, yes. Okay, so can you tell us, like, what if if someone had a low vision deficit or they had a low vision diagnosis and they came to you for therapy or they came to the clinic and they wanted, you know, some vision specific therapy, what would you do first? Like, what, what's the process like? 
All right. So sometimes what happens is we actually are treating a client, but who actually refer to the outpatient clinic uh, with a different diagnosis. However, if just during the evaluations, they were telling us, like, you know, look, I'm having a difficulty. I find, like, my, my vision gets blurry. Um, and so sometimes that what we do is we actually would suggest them uh, go to follow up by their um, eye doctor, um, and then we can follow them again uh, to treat their vision problem. And sometimes we also get referral from, um, you know, ophthalmologists or optometrists or any other physicians who understand um, um, low vision conditions. So we will get a referral from the doctor as well. However, mm-hmm. I feel that um, a lot of times people need to be their own advocate. Mm-hmm. They have to mention to their doctors, um, like, um, I understand I have vision issues and I'm having difficulty to function in my daily activity or I have a tendency to fall, I would like to see um, an OT who actually specialize in, in vision rehab or in low vision rehab and that will be the best route to go to about. Uh-huh. Because a lot of times also, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, it's a lot of times you also have to really say your, doc, uh, your doctor as well. Uh-huh. Right. Okay, and what about, I mean, what type of things do they do, in, do you do in treatment? Like, what's in the, what are a few examples of, of things that you do? Do you order specific equipment or adaptations for the person, or do you modify the environment? Okay, we actually do a combination of everything, and it's also case by case. We do work very closely with um, a group of eye doctors uh, at the Lighthouse Guild. So... Usually, is the um, the eye doctor prescribe um, the magnifier or the glasses, and we try it with our client first to making sure that that's the that's the device that they are capable of using it. Because in case sometimes people use a magnifier, but if they have gross trimmer and they are unable to hold the magnifier, then we have to talk to the doctor to see instead of using the handheld one, we might the client might benefit from a, a standing one, which means that we can put the magnifier directly on the table so to mm-hmm. decrease the, the tremor. And then we follow through by we do all this um, functional assessment to figure out you know, what's the challenging, are they having difficulty, uh, either cooking or either interesting, and do they have a color issue? Um, a lot of times that we we are fortunate enough, we get like uh, um, you know how well the the client is able to see from our eye doctor, mm-hmm. so we can directly address that uh, if they we can find out um, from our conducting uh, uh, assessment, we can find out how fast the client can read, how many words a minute they can read, or do they just come in because uh, they fall all the time? Is it because the contrast issues? or it's because they're having difficulty to use their new uh, glasses. And also, we also address, just as I mentioned before, if they have a um, blind spot issues, uh-huh. which means that we have to teach them it's a visual skill to remove the blind spot um, when they read the material or when they're crossing the street. Uh-huh. So sometimes we have to teach them how to tilt the head to move the blind spot out. Okay. And sometimes we also work on uh, environmental modifications. So we put 
like bright color strip over the edge of the tub. So mm-hmm. that means that when people are taking a shower into the tub, they know um, there's a depth, um, a, a, a landmark right there. So they don't fall into uh, their tub when they're trying to get out or get in. And sometimes mm-hmm. we also suggest certain type of like the bath chairs. So you'll be safe for them to, um, you know, to take a shower or to take a bath. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sounds like really important things that you're doing um, in terms of safety and functioning and, you know, just daily life activities. So that's really great. Um, can you tell us, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've had a lot of success in your career. Can you tell us, you know, maybe one a success story that you've had with patient with low vision? Um, yes because I used to work at New York Presbyterian Hospital for many years, uh, but during the same time, I also worked as a consultant for the Lighthouse School. So one of the successful stories was there was this young uh, gentleman that he came in. He was homeless, so he actually stayed in the shelter, and um, he suddenly he lost his vision, so he came to the ER, and he was admitted to rehab. Um, So we... By now, he has no family support, um, and his family uh, didn't really want to take him back because they're having some type of issues. So what we did was um, he told us he didn't want to go back to the shelter because he was really scared. He couldn't see, and usually they become a target um, when you don't know if you can protect yourself. So what we did was we actually have our social worker from the sh- uh, from the hospital mm-hmm. contacting the social worker at the lighthouse skill. And at the same time, we also reach out to his case manager at the shelter. Mm-hmm. So that means that the, 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 the continual care is, is really great. So what we did was we hooked him up with the program at the lighthouse skill. So he was able to take the accessory, mm-hmm. um, which means, accessory, that means that um, it, it's funded by uh, the government if you can prove that you have certain disability. So they would actually pick him up um, from the shelter, so he only just sleep in the shelter. Right. And then they will pick him up and bring him to the lighthouse field, then he will have his breakfast, he can have his lunch, and then we have doctors yeah. following and we have nurses would would follow him and follow we also him. work with the coaching. Right. Then he also will receive also like therapy from us. Okay. So the long story short was um, he was able to learn how to navigate the environment, and then he was getting counseling. So he was able to start talking to his family. And so after a few months, he told us that the good news was his family was willing to allow him to stay with them uh-huh. and while he continued his treatment um, initially at the hospital and then afterward in outpatient uh, at the lighthouse school. So that was a very nice story. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds great. Yeah, that we had. Wow. Yupin, I mean, thank you so much for this information. Um, If someone was to, you know, think that they potentially had a vision issue or they have a family member that's going to seek out services for low vision, how would they know the right person to go to? Like, how would they find the correct person in their area to go to that specializes in vision? Um, In a big city, 
people can always reach out on the website. Um, they have um, like Lighthouse Guild or yeah. Lighthouse, or mm-hmm. they can also contact um, American Occupational Therapy Association because they also list um, occupational therapists who also specialize in low vision in a different state. Mm-hmm. And also, they definitely can reach out to uh, their eye doctor. Sometimes you may have to educate your eye doctor, and sometimes you may have to discuss this with, um, you know, your physician, mm-hmm. and just tell them that, uh, you know, you you can definitely benefit from occupational therapy. So this is something that is still ongoing uh, process. But I think you just need to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. For yourself and for your family, and there in for internet, you can actually find a lot of information, mm-hmm. and you can also Google like eye doctor if they specialize in low vision, and if they don't, they may be able to refer you to some of their colleagues as well. Yeah. Okay, and I know you said um, early in the interview that you are performing. Can you tell us a little bit about your history in terms of? Um, performing, and I think you know you had worked with musicians um, in the past. Can you just share some of that experience with us as well? Oh, sure. Um, before I become an occupational therapist, I was a concert pianist. I was trained in the conservatory, um, so I played the piano for uh, many, many years. So when I say like the concert was uh, my neighbor who I was very close to and who 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 died due to like the falling she was uh, she was a soprano so we actually like worked together quite often you know as a teacher so yes I do work with a lot of um, musicians as well uh, just because uh, it's a different type of injury usually it's involved with their uh, posture their um, their technique at their instruments, and also how they approach their practice routine. So I have been teaching at uh, Manhattan School of Music uh, for the past maybe almost 20 years. Um, uh, it's a course called Injury Prevention for Musicians. So that's how I came into performing arts uh, medicine for a while. And prior to that, I was working as a research assistant and a medical assistant for a doctor, Dr. Emil Passarelli, um, who specialized in uh, performing arts medicine as well. So that's how I actually um, decided, um, you know, I think occupational therapy would be a great area to, to investigate. And then mm-hmm. I always enjoy working with musicians. Interesting. Have you worked with musicians at low vision? Uh, yes, it's, you know, a couple of times, yes, mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, they approached me and they explained to me they were musicians for a long time. However, due to disease process, they somehow lost their vision. Mm-hmm. So we did. Uh, in our clinic, we have uh, musicians that came in um, to to work with us. So we have to talk about how to use the visual to scan the score mm-hmm. and in some times that we also um, will have to modify like how they were how the score look mm-hmm. so maybe increase um, on the iPad we might have to like change how the background um, you know usually is white uh, black against white sometimes we have to use like black against yellow 
so that can help them to to be able to read their score better. And also mm-hmm. proper lighting, where the lighting should be positioned, that mm-hmm. can also help them. Yes, so we have to do the combination both, yes. Very interesting. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Shu, for sharing your experiences with us. And it sounds like you're really having a huge impact on the lives of all the people that you're working with, musicians and individuals with low vision. Thanks again for sharing, and have a great night. You too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you.